on this month's episode of the Sound Rider Show. We're talking downtime bike prep. We've got some motorcycle bingo to keep you occupied during this lockdown. And Dr. Greg Frazier joins us to talk about his new book, Frazier Shrugged. All that and so much more on this month's episode of the Sound Rider Show. Support for the Sound Rider Show is provided in part by the Sound Rider Store. Right now is as good a time as any to snuggle up with a good book, and we've got just the title for you. Frazier Shrugged is the latest book from world-renowned adventure motorcyclist Dr. Gregory Frazier. Inside, you'll find a collection of columns written over the last four decades highlighting his six navigations around the globe. From Thailand to India, South America to the Arctic Circle, you'll find all that and more. Purchase Frazier Shrugged online now at the Soundwriter Store. Hello, everybody. This is Lee from Racer Gloves USA. Welcome to the Soundwriter Show. And now live from the Crow's Nest Studio in beautiful downtown Broadview, Washington, join us for the latest episode of the Soundwriter Show, a candid hour featuring the people, places, and things that make up the fabric of one of the top motorcycle riding destinations in the world. And now here are your hosts, Tom Marin. Derek Roberts, and whoever else happens to drop by today. Motorcycle riders from across the Pacific Northwest and around the world, this is the Sound Rider Show, the May edition where we're getting ready for spring. Across from me here virtually, we've got two people today, publisher and founder of Sound Rider, Mr. Tom Marin, and of course the queen of SR, Connie Adams, will be joining us today along with myself, the self-appointed editor-at-large, Mr. Derek Roberts. Gang, it's another virtual episode, but it's getting into prime riding season here. What are your thoughts? Let's get things started. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about that virtual episode. So you, you've got, um, got a really nice microphone there now. Uh, did you put a sock on it, or does it have a windscreen? It's got a, uh, a windscreen on it. So okay. I, just, uh, I just hooked that up there. So we'll try to keep the popping peas to a mini uh, minimum okay but no underwear on your microphone right uh no no underwear on the, the microphone so we'll uh we'll try to avoid that you know Soundwriter is the only place where somebody says put a sock on it and it means something totally different <laughs> yeah, that's right <laughs> well um i thought we'd open up and talk about stuff we've been doing uh bike prep wise you've been doing anything yeah, you know, I have been. I've been uh, down working on the bike a little bit, swapping out. I got a lithium battery that I'm getting ready to put in there and doing some basic stuff, you know, oil change, uh, uh, chaining the, uh, lubing the chain, just trying to kind of get ready for when things open up and we can get back out and start taking some longer trips. How yeah. about you guys uh, up north there? Uh, well, I got the tires uh, down at the shop right now. I haven't gone and had them put on yet. And I got a battery waiting at the shop, I think, too. But I'm just kind of stalling out until the credit card payment period rolls. And then I'll take care of it first. Well, by the time people hear this show, I probably will have taken care of it. Well, I tell you, if there is uh, ever a time to get some of that bike maintenance done, it's certainly been the, the last couple of months. There should be no excuses to, to not get out there and ride. Well, hopefully sooner than later here. We'll see what uh, the future has in hold for many of the states here in the Pacific Northwest. But I think we're all in agreement that we hope we can uh, get things back to 
quote unquote normal as quickly as possible. And just to give the listeners the proper timeline, um, we're recording on the Sunday before the beginning of March. So if there's an announcement coming from any of the governors around the area – oh, yeah, May, I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, If there's an announcement coming from any of the governors around the area before the 1st of May, uh, we haven't heard one yet. But maybe by the time we publish this, there will be, and we'll all know more of what we can and can't do. So, Yeah, certainly changes are going to be coming. Uh, We're hearing a lot of talk about that in uh, many of the different areas that are going to try to – I think the terminology that's often being used is dimmer switch, right? It's not going to be a, a light switch, but a dimmer switch, but we should see some some changes. So we'll talk a little bit about that in a bit, uh, right? Some of the who's open and who's not. But in the meantime, let's just let's talk about some good old fashioned motorcycling fun. What do you say? Well, I want to I want to I want to thank you for your tip uh, last month about getting uh, doing some working out before you are able to actually start riding seriously again. Yeah, always And uh, I've been doing my free weights meticulously every other day. And uh, I am almost back to 100% on my free weights, including being able to do, you know, the, the one that where you look like a chicken when you lift your arms up. Right. And yeah. you're flapping your wings. Uh, that's been a real bear for me to do because of the crash last summer. But uh, I'm I'm at a point where... I'm I'm pretty good with it. I can do it about 75% on the left side. So um, I've I've stopped all the PT I was doing before, and I'm just focusing on the free weights, and it's working really nice. Well, that's a testament for anybody out there who is facing a similar injury, whether it be a a knee, a shoulder, an elbow. You know, this is – we're talking only about eight or nine months ago, and if you stick with it, you see you can regain your mobility that quickly. That's more reason to stay motivated if you are coming off of an injury. Yeah. And for those of you who care about people who have crashed, I'm almost over the nightmares. So, <laughs> you know, we're, we're kind of healing at the same rate. Emotional crash. The emotional crash that I went That's through. Right. <laughs> Worrying about well, him. I think, though, uh, I think you're right, Tom. I think that is super important just uh, to kind of reinforce that for a lot of our listeners because we reach a – a broad spectrum of ages here on the Sound Rider show. And, you know, don't, uh, don't stay idle during this time. It's not always easy. Oh, no, you know, don't do that. Don't push things. it either, but don't stay idle. Yeah, you don't have to start to get ready for that next CrossFit competition, but, uh, you know, go and take a, a two- or three-mile walk every day if you can or bust out a few push-ups, some squats, that kind of thing. You're, uh, this is a good time to, uh, to look ahead and realize that this won't be forever, but good health is – a lifetime, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, what was it that you uh, you were going to lead us to here? Well, I don't know if you've been seeing some of the I, – I think they first announced this quite a few months ago, but Honda's uh, – they've got their 150cc – I guess it's, it's more or less an ADV scooter, right? They're calling it an ADV scooter. And, you know, I don't know if you've uh, – you haven't actually ridden a scooter before, have you? Uh, well, mopeds. mopeds. I've never been. Yeah, I've never been on any scooter over uh, fifty cc. So most most scooters have a smaller wheel and uh, not really suitable for going off road. Although Connie and I have been off road on a silver wing yeah. before, but it's not something I would do all day, every day. You know, <laughs> continuously. 
And I think it's interesting. This is, this is a bizarre little thing they're coming out with. This 150cc scooter, it's got an adjustable windscreen on it. I, I, I don't know. Is that going to save you mileage on a 150cc scooter? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, – I, I don't know how much time you're going to want to spend. I mean, 150cc is – it's still not a lot for highway cruising, but to each their own. Yeah, I remember years ago I had a Honda 150 scooter – and uh, we actually could get that thing up to 55 miles an hour. But uh, <laughs> you kept wondering when it was going to burn to the ground at that point. Well, what do you think is the, the impetus to bring something like this to market? I mean, is there, are they seeing a demand? Because, you know, when you're talking about performance spectrum, I go, okay, well, first of all, this is, this is going to have, you know, no gear changing, which we've already seen some DCTs and and other models, but okay, that could be an advantage for a, a different class of riders. And then it's lower to the ground, so you can put your feet down. So that's a another advantage. But who are they trying to are are they are they seeing this as a an older play, or are they seeing this as a less intimidating play for a younger market? Like, what do you what are your thoughts on that? I'm, I'm wondering if it's not a bridge that they're creating. So they, you know, for years Honda had the Zuma scooter which was 50 cc's and people rode them all over the sand at the beach and that sort of thing. Now, this doesn't have nearly that type of wheel uh, design. Uh, it doesn't have, you know, fat tires like that for going in the sand. But if they could do a 150, uh, I'd be drawn to, if they went to a 300, I'd be interested in seeing that. I've, I know I've ridden the, uh, the Kimco 300 uh, what do they call it? The the X Town, Cross Town. Yeah, sure. And that's sure, quite yeah. a fun scooter, and it's a lot lighter than like the five hundred, six hundred cc scooters that have hit the market over the last two decades. So I wonder if it's sort of a bridge where they're gonna see if they can, if they can get something out of one fifty, if they could get something out of three hundred. So I I understand that and sort of in concept, but I immediately go, well, if you're going to go a three or a 400cc, like why not just a DRZ 400? Well, the, the older population has trouble lifting a leg up over a bike. Hmm. And I so mean, yeah. maybe, you know, this is for for those people to keep them riding. Some are too too uh, proud to to actually ride a scooter, but uh, it, it will prolong a rider's ability to ride if they want if they can't throw a leg up over the seat. Yeah, and that uh, well, that leads to my next question was it, which is if you can't throw your leg over the seat, um, should you be out in the backcountry? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all good information. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're right. It's something to think about. Um, Connie and I, through the uh, lockdown period here, have been – we went and did the uh, AARP what driver, was driver safety course. For- so it's so sort of like an advanced rider course, but it's for people who drive. And uh, and they do throw the questions at you a lot about, you know, if, you, if, if you're on all these medications, should you really be driving? If you, if you can't turn your head, should you really be driving? Stuff like that. So they're – they kind of throw it out there at you, but you know there are people who cognitively they're they're getting along just fine. They just don't have the physical ability to get on and off a bike. You know the other thing that 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 came up in that course a lot, which 
makes sense to me, not that I'd thought of it before, but they hit it a lot, was, is today the day I should be driving? And, you know, I think that really applies to motorcycles, too. If you're getting a little older and you are on medications or you're coming back from an injury or something, do you feel good today? Are you sharp? Do you physically do you get on the bike? Tomorrow, oh, God, I'm slow today. I'm kind of not with it. It's like, don't ride today. Yep. It, it could be a daily changing thing. Yeah, definitely some dynamics there. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at some pictures as we talk of this uh, Honda X ADV scooter. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe they should rebrand this to the Honda X AARP scooter. <laughs> <laughs> the, there you go. The Zark. The Zark. Yeah, that's right. And, it, and it, has a, uh, it has a feature built in that uh, you have to do one of those um, internet mind game challenges before it will start. So to Connie's point. Uh, you have to pass a a mental litmus <laughs> test before it will start. You know, that's great. It's almost like the breathalyzer they put on cars if you've had a DUI. It's the same yeah. thing. you gotta you got to get the brain teaser before the thing will start. That's exactly it. If you can't finish <laughs> this Sudoku puzzle, uh, <laughs> go home. You are, yeah, just leave it in the parking lot. So, so uh, another thing that, that uh, happened is uh, one of the shops in my neighborhood closed down for the period of time that the governor recommended people don't run businesses, even though motorcycles are an essential service. And, uh, and that threw a whole bunch of business at the other shop around the area. So, and I know you're, you're more in touch with the dealers. Are you seeing some dealers shut down now? So I am starting to see the wave actually start to reverse a little bit. So initially there were, in the, in the first stage, sort of, there were a lot of people that were saying, okay, we're just going to shut down everything. And then the essential service came into play. And that was kind of a, I, that's a, one of those things, like most laws, I guess, that has some degree of interpretation to it. So some people were interpreting it as only having service open. Other people were saying, well, it's motorcycle jo- uh, shops in total. So you can come in, you can buy apparel parts, new bikes, but only do it by appointment only. And uh, some people just decided to remain closed altogether. And now I'm starting to see pretty much everybody uh, getting moving towards the direction of opening at the very least their service department. So that's what I'm seeing, at oh, least okay. in, the, in the local area here and in, in the state of Washington. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, you know, it's probably similar to like that way around Idaho, Oregon, B.C., yeah, I mean, you know, the reality is it, it coming off of, it, particularly coming off of the winter season, uh, people are going to, you know, the shops are going to have to make a, a go of it in some capacity at some point. I mean, there just isn't infinite, uh, you know, cash reserves to pull on. And I know that for a lot of small businesses, there's been struggles in applying for and receiving funding for yeah. all these small business stimulus packages. So um, I would anticipate that we continue to see this trend, although I would, I would suggest and I would say that it's probably going to be a lot of appointment only. It's probably going to be a lot of please bring your own mask. There's probably going to be hand sanitizer stations as you approach the door. Um, and that would be my inclination, my prediction for at least the next month or two around here. I just want to open up the trunk of my car and have them come and get the wheel out. And well, I think if, six weeks away, six feet away from the car. Well, six weeks away will certainly do it. But <laughs> yeah. I think if you're, 
if you're six feet away, I mean, it is a wheel. You can roll it to them, right? Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, and they hopefully can be able to roll it right. back. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, listen. Uh, we'll we'll talk more about who's open and and what's going on. We're going to take a little break right now. We'll be right back. Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by Rock Straps. Tired of bungee cords that fray and break? You need to up your game with the number one tie-down among riders. Rock straps make it easy to get the right fit, no matter how large or small the load you're securing. Order a pair today from the Soundrider store at store.soundrider.com. Hi, my name is Alan Ayers uh, from White Center, Washington. Uh, one of my favorite rides that we do quite often is go up through Greenwater over the Natchez Trail, come out over in Yakima. Uh, I do it on my Honda NC700X. Uh, not many people do it on that bike, and I get some strange looks, but it works great. Hey, this is Austin Weaver from Travel Penticton, and you're listening to the Sound Rider Show. Back on the Soundwriter Show, Tom and Connie in North Seattle, Derek down in Belltown, special guest coming in later from Colorado. But right now we're going to talk about news bites, and we were talking about who's open, who's not. You know, um, it's <laughs> it's impossible for us to uh, keep track of everybody, so you're going to want to go out. If you need to get work done, go to the dealer's website or go to their Facebook page and make sure that they're open or give them a call. Hey, you know, we forget how to make phone calls on our phones anymore. But uh, give them a call ahead of time. Make sure they're open so you don't waste your time going over there and you come up with an alternative if you need to. Um, but we spotted a couple other things that are currently not open. And uh, the first one on our list here is uh, Team Oregon. No classes until mid-June. Yeah, so this was one of the training schools that I had. Uh, had obviously, they're the, the, I don't know, are they the sole provider in Oregon? Or I know they're certainly the major provider. They are um, the only provider. Right, the yeah, only they're, provider they're state in Oregon. Run. And they have been, uh, they were sort of pretty aggressive and pretty on the leading edge of cancellations and, and delays as far as training courses are, are concerned. And, um for me, I was a I was a little surprised. I I don't really you know I don't have a uh, a dog in the fight one way or the other. Whether it's the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do, I I trust them to make the right decision for their organization. But pushing it all the way out to June fourteenth surprised me a little bit, simply because I had wondered if training classes were going to be able to sort of take on that dimmer switch mentality, and are you going to be able to ride you know, six feet away from somebody, if you bring your own gear and all that kind of thing. So I was a little surprised to hear that. Um, but what was your take? Um, I was wondering how they came up with that date when they didn't actually have a word from their governor yet about when they were going to reopen. I thought that was interesting. So what I saw in Idaho that happened was that Idaho Star, which is similar to Oregon, where it's, it's one group operates the whole shebang, um, they just put the word out and said, we are not doing any more classes until further notice, 
And then they added to that, and they said, uh, and when we do, these are the 10 steps we're taking to keep you six feet apart. We don't want you putting your gloves in your mouth when you take them off. We don't, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, interesting things that I saw. So um, they seem to. I, it, it seems like they went the way I would have gone. I would have just said nothing more until further notice. So let me yeah, ask. A, oh, go ahead. No, Connie, jump in there, please. I was going to say, let me ask you two experts about this. Do you think not having classes? sort of encourages people to get bikes and just get on them. And I know you're supposed to have, you know, get your test and get a permit, but do you think people will just say, well, listen, it's not available to me, so I'm just going to teach myself or get Uncle Bob to do it? And <laughs> What do you think? I think that is, a, that is a possibility that will happen. I don't think it will happen across the board. Um, and you know, in, in Washington and Oregon now you have to have the testing and that testing can't be done. Well, that's why I'm saying people will do it, you know, just trying to stay under the radar. Yeah, I could see that happening. Do you think that happens anyway? I mean, is it going to be the same percentage? We know, you know, there's like a 30 percentile of people who don't have endorsements that are out riding. And about half the crash reports I see right now, the person doesn't have an endorsement. So nothing's really changing or will without classes. Yeah, you know, I think it's a great question, and it's one of those for all industries, right? One of those sort of second wave questions is, of course, everybody wants to do the right and the responsible thing. But what are the implications for continued shutdowns, in particular here in Washington? You know, it's with the recent changes in the testing and the licensing requirements, it will be interesting to see how are people going to handle that because people are going to want to begin riding motorcycles. People are going to want to return to riding motorcycles. And um, if there's no mechanism for you to go and, and get your endorsement, how does how do the schools handle that? How do the authorities handle that? It's a I think it's a it's a good question that unfortunately I I'm at a loss of a prediction to make. Yeah. Yeah. And in uh, Washington State, all the contractors are separate, so you'd have to check their websites to see when they're opening up again. Yeah, and I was just uh, doing a quick search here, kind of going through some of the major ones, at least on the west side of the state, and I haven't seen any official dates or announcements yet. So um, that's going to be something that we'll continue to monitor here at uh, SoundRider, I'm sure. But certainly, you're going to want to uh, you're going to want to check in with your local training provider and see what plans they have and like all of us continue to monitor the the orders from uh the state government to see when this might open back up and we will uh as we know things we'll fly it out on the news bites feed and if so if you're watching us on facebook or you follow our news bites page you'll get the information there soundwriter.com slash news bites bites with a y <laughs> That sounds like a digital bite. Yeah. <laughs> bite me digitally. Uh, let's see. Okay. Well, th- th- Now, we're not going to go through all the events that got canceled, but this was a big one, and it was supposed to be at the end of June. Uh, so the BMW MOA rally that was scheduled to happen in Great Falls has been canceled and rescheduled for the same last week of 2021. 
Right. So they're going to push it back an entire year, which for an event this large, I don't see how you do anything other than that because the idea of bumping it back six weeks at a time just doesn't seem practical. And I wouldn't be surprised either if uh, Great Falls and maybe the state of Montana at large was like, listen, guys, this event will double our state's population. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we don't want that. So we're either going to put up uh, concrete walls at all the entry points, or you guys can push this back a year. You know? Yeah, I think they did the right thing. Um, we were scheduled to be there both uh, as a vendor, and then I had a, a clinic that I was going to be teaching. So we're just roll all that in 2021 and give us more time to practice. Yeah, well, that's too bad because I know that uh, your clinic this year was going to be hygiene on your motorcycle, so it would have fit in perfectly. It but, was. Uh, you're yeah. right. Yeah. Now, next year, everybody's going to be looking at you like, what? Who can, what is this guy talking about? Yeah. So there's a little uh, company down in Oregon out uh, east of Portland called Moto Stuff, and they have purchased an old fire station out in Pendleton on the east side of the state, and uh, actually they're west of Portland. Did I say east? I don't know. I think I don't remember. I don't know what I say anymore. <laughs> the closer to the, they were closer to the ocean or further away from Yeah, it? they were closer to the ocean, so they were okay. west of Portland. There you go. I think they were down in Forest Grove. And uh, anyways, they have purchased a f- old fire station down in Pendleton, Oregon, and they're moving everything over there. Are they primarily online, or is it a physical retail shop? Pretty much online, okay. but they do have a retail presence as well. So, so we'll have to uh, we'll have to figure that one out a little more. And uh, it sounds like a good excuse to go down to uh, Hamley Steakhouse. Exactly, right? that was my first thought. <laughs> we better go check that out. Um, well, that's uh, you know, and I I haven't looked into this yet, but just mentioning here uh, Pendleton. I don't know what uh, the status of Pendleton Bike Week is right now. I haven't seen anything on that, so I think that's up in the air. And the Hell's Canyon Motorcycle Rally, too. But those are all in July. They could they could possibly come through. I don't know. It's all we're all in this wait and see limbo right now. Yeah, it's hard. Um what else? Uh Westside Motorsports out in Spokane, West Spokane. Uh, owner Scott Schmidtman has passed away. Sad to hear. Was he elderly, or is this COVID related? Or? Well, he's had some health issues over the years, mm. so it kind of came to a head. Mm. But it wasn't COVID related that we know of. Okay. Um, but yeah, anyways, sad, he was. Sad uh, to hear that. You, you've met him out there, haven't you, Derek? You know, I actually I never had the chance to uh, meet Scott. Uh, I do visit the shop. Uh, quite frequently, and it is really one of the uh, stalwarts of the Spokane area and even into to northern Idaho there being a large metric dealer and a lot of terrific people there. So I, I was saddened to hear this. Yeah, that- he's really built up a, a nice shop out there over the last like 10 or 15 years, adding in like the power boats and BMW. You know, he had Honda and a couple other lines, but he's just been growing it over the years and done a good job of is it, there so. any concern about it closing if he was the owner or is there a succession plan sure i haven't seen anything about what the what the future holds yeah i think that uh that shop is in pretty good position uh being like i said one of sort of the major players out there in that uh, inner mountain region 
And uh, I, I wouldn't forecast that. I think I think Scott had done a good a good job of kind of positioning them for the short term future. Uh, mm-hmm. COVID be damned. <laughs> <laughs> it's the COVID be damned tour. That's yeah. right. <laughs> uh, what else? Oh, um, you, you know, you wonder how are we paying the rent on our warehouse for our for our online store? And I'm gonna I'm gonna give it away. <laughs> We've been selling a lot of hand sanitizer, specifically organic hand sanitizer from Dr. Bronner's. And uh, that's really been floating the store the last four four or six weeks here. Well, no better time to have uh, hand sanitizer in stock than now, certainly. So uh, that's just one of the many things, of course, that you can get at the Soundrider store to help uh, get you through this pandemic era of course there's the hand sanitizer but there's lots of uh, trip planning resources and as we will address in our next segment also some pretty great reading material out there mm-hmm. yeah. um we got neck tubes which come in real handy as face masks and, and we'll pay you- dividends uh motorcycle touring for you at some point certainly i think back to my early days of riding without a uh a neck tube and Man, I, I, they're so versatile for what, 20 bucks, 18 bucks? You can uh, really use that, really will come in handy at some point for you on the motorcycle, too. Yeah, if you want a little extra protection, a coffee filter in there will work. There you go. So, do you recommend used or not used? Uh, yeah, do it before you use it. <laughs> and don't use it after for coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, that hadn't been tested yet, but I, I'm just going to tell you right now. It's a thumbs up. Yeah, down. that was one Don't of those do that and were, don't inject Clorox. Yeah, you were working on that for the, uh, the <laughs> motorcycle hygiene segment, right? You <laughs> yeah. Were, yeah. Getting his ducks in a row there. That's right. Uh, eyewear, we got eyewear, different colors. I find it very handy when I go shopping just to put my yellow lenses on, bring my neck tube up, and uh, shop with a little more peace of mind. And I got to say, looking sharp. Looking good, huh? (laughs) You betcha. (laughs) (laughs) If you're getting bored at home and you want to have a little fun, we posted up a motorcycle bingo card on our Facebook feed. So you and, of can, course, this is all undertaken digitally. There will be no meeting at the Elks Club nope. to uh, <laughs> undertake this. But Everybody uh, can play, and everybody can win. Ooh. What do you win? Um, great uh, advice from the folks at Soundwriter. There you go. <laughs> Free every month at you Soundwriter.com. Know, you could probably get that anyway, but... <laughs> yeah. So well, uh, pride goes a long way. <laughs> As I said before, once we know more about what's going on time-wise here, then we'll go ahead and update the calendar. We won't have a calendar segment during the show this month, but we will uh, listen for what's going on out there and watch as events hopefully reopen and uh, update those on the page. Some have been rescheduled, and we've been noting that as we go along. So uh, just keep an eye on our pages for that. Uh, there's a new book out by Greg Frazier, Dr. Gregory Frazier, six times around the world on a motorcycle over 35 years. And he's got a new book called Frazier Shrugs. We're going to take a little break right now. And when we come back, we've got a two-part interview with Dr. Gregory. Support for Soundwriter and The Soundwriter Show is made possible by... 
The Rally in the Gorge. Are you ready to go beyond the main roads? Since 2003, the Rally in the Gorge has introduced riders intimately to the awesome secondary and tertiary roads in the Columbia River Gorge National Scenic Area. With programs for dual sport, adventure, sport touring, and sport bike enthusiasts, this is the rally you'll want to return to again and again. For more information, visit soundrider.com rally. My name is Jason Omar. I'm from Ferndale, Washington. And one of my favorite rides is riding 134 miles an hour down the Bonneville Salt Flats on my 1948 Panhead. Hi, this is Gary LaPlante from Moto Ventures, and you're listening to the Sound Rider Show. We are back on the Soundwriter Show, and thanks to the invention of Zoom, we've got uh, Derek at his place downtown in Seattle. I'm up here in North Seattle, and we have a special guest with us today, Dr. Gregory Fraser. He is all the way out in Colorado, I believe. Is that correct, Greg? I'm a mile high. He's a mile high in Colorado. And uh, so Derek is going to uh, run an interview here with Greg about his new book. Well, yeah, let's get right into it, Greg. First of all, thanks again for uh, for coming back on the show. I think it's been a uh, a couple of years since we had you on, but it's really exciting to have you back, especially when we're just about ready to release uh, this new book. I'm uh, happy to be here uh, through the technology that you guys have dragged me into screaming. <laughs> Well, let's get started here before and we're going to dive into the book plenty here, but I want to get started because I know a lot of and I'm doing air quotes here at my place, but I know a lot of adventure riders who are really struggling during this uh, pandemic shutdown because they can't take their fully farkled motorcycle two towns over to the nearest Starbucks. And then I think about my old friend Greg Frazier and I go, well, here's a guy who's ridden around the world six times. How is this pandemic affecting you? Because when you go for a cup of coffee, you end up going and getting the actual beans in Guatemala and dragging them back. So what are you doing during this time? Actually, uh, here in Colorado, we're not on a, I'd call it a serious lockdown. Uh, I'm out on the motorcycle every day, running errands, post office, grocery store, harbor freight, um, obviously doing my motorcycling safe social distancing of you know 10 or 20 feet but uh are are half uh, the trips to harbor freight because you're returning stuff that broke no uh it's because i can't i can't get away from the great deals that i think i'm getting (laughs) (laughs) well especially now it seems like i get a coupon from those guys every second day i mean that's the usual but it seems like they're really starting to i i didn't know it was possible to slash prices but they're doing it anyway Frankly, I don't know how they qualified as essential, uh, but you know they don't sell any food. But uh, I also also see that the home uh, home club home pro is also open. So I guess for maintenance of your vehicle or maintenance of your home, these qualify. Yeah. Maybe it may be different for you guys up there in Washington. I know you're like Corona Central. Uh, no, we we've got we've got the Home Depot open and the Lowe's is open. We can go and you know buy extension cords and stuff like that. 
Right. And the Sound Rider store is open 24-7, 365. A shameless plug there for you, too. Right, Tom? Man, you always come in at the right moment. I tell you. Well, I, I, it sounds like you're out still riding, Greg, to get back uh, on track here to our interview. But I, I am curious. You know, I think last time that we talked to you was uh, three or four years ago when you were in Malaysia. And when this uh, pandemic kicked off, I started thinking, you know, when we were going to do the interview, have you ever had any experience with this riding in other countries? You know, we talk about H1N1, the bird flu, and all other sorts of things, Ebola. And for a guy who circled the world and been to almost every continent, or certainly uh, almost every continent, but uh, just about every country, it seems like. Have you ever run into anything like this while you've been out on the road? I've been in countries where we got locked down for various reasons, not necessarily health, but like um, riots in the streets. I was in Kathmandu for, uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks around Christmas one year, and uh, the locals were uh, demonstrating and all the the storefronts were uh, closed and the cops were out and tires were burning and you, you really couldn't go anywhere uh, if unless you're really stupid. Um, and and you just hunkered down and kind of watched it from the 10th floor of the guest house I, I was in. Uh, I, I've been in uh, countries where they closed the border once I was inside the country uh, for uh, foreigners to exit or enter. I think that was in uh, Zimbabwe wow. uh, in Africa. Um, but uh, for health reasons, uh, you know, I, I've suffered through uh, um, and hot, uh, the Hunter virus, and the, you know, hell, I, I grew up with polio all around me, and sure. uh, uh, TB, especially uh, in my native culture, uh, TB was was still a rampant um, disease on the reservations. Um, I can remember going to a TB. Uh, Indian hospital there in Tacoma, Washington, uh, that was set up to just treat Indian patients with TB. I've lived through, like you said, Ebola, MERS, SARS, uh, meanwhile, uh, traveling. Sometimes I've had to circumvent um, some of the paperwork requirements or uh, physical barriers to get around uh, country uh, requirements. Um, but let's skip forward a little bit. Um, we're in the 21st century now, and I'm uh, in the process of planning a possible seventh ride around the world in 2021. And uh, it, it's a whole different game than it was six months ago. Uh, for instance, I can't even fly into Europe right now. Uh, sure. And the idea of taking a, a vehicle, a motorcycle, uh, with me is outrageously expensive, uh, whereas before it was just expensive. Um, the uh, paperwork requirements, I, I see down the road, but we're going to have to have, uh, especially as Americans, because we're the number one spreaders, and we're talking, what, here, April of uh, 2020, but uh, I can see countries requiring us to have a doctor's uh, certificate saying that we've tested Corona-free before they'd give us a, a an entry visa, or or even uh, let us on an airplane. Yeah, who uh, knows? That may even be a state line thing here pretty soon. I know there's been uh, some battles in between states and regions, even here in North America. So certainly internationally, you would you would think that is uh, there's strong a strong chance of that happening. 
I left uh, Bangkok on March 30th, and they uh, they slammed the country shut, uh, Thailand, uh, two days later. Um, the uh, possibility now of me going back to Thailand uh, is zero. I'm yep. not going to. I'm not going to get into Thailand or Vietnam or Cambodia or Laos, places that I've, I've been able over the last 22 years wander pretty much freely with motorcycles, um, whether they were my own or rentals. That whole game is going to change. And so you mentioned that you're you're kind of in the early. St- planning stages for a seventh circumnavigation what uh is inspiring this seventh go-around is there anything different than the last six or is this just another chance to have a grand adventure i i like to explore i don't you know this whole concept of adventure um I, I i'm looking at what i'll call a soft way around uh, the globe i'd go across uh, north america to the east coast I probably leave the motorcycle there, fly over uh, to Europe. Uh, I keep a couple motorcycles in storage in Europe. I can go as far as Turkey without needing a visa, or I, I used to be able to. Again, game's changing, but I could uh, throw away the motorcycle there, fly over Iran, um, Turkey, uh, which I would have needed a visa for, Um and I would just as soon skip India, been there once and don't need to go back on a motorcycle, um, but drop down into Southeast Asia um, and do as much of that. I've got mo- I've got five motorcycles in uh, Thailand, uh, but uh, as of now, I can't get into Laos, which is the next country, working my way around the globe. Um, who knows a year from now? I, I think they'll they'll open back up. Um, they haven't. Uh, in the last year, made it easy to get into Laos with a motorcycle. Uh, it's easier to fly in and try to rent something. Um, but uh, out of, uh, and, and it's almost impossible. And again, money solves a lot of problems. If you're a, you know, a big money guy and you're on a tour, um, somebody else takes care of all these barriers. But um, I would eventually end up back in Los Angeles uh, and then head back uh, to my my start point, which would be uh, Montana. The uh, mileage that I need to be able to claim another trip around the world is a little over eighteen thousand miles, and that's wow. pretty that's pretty easily done. Um, if you take a long and winding route, but none of it would be uh, off pavement; it would just be. Uh, you know, highways, small byways. Um, you really can't find much off pavement in Europe. Um, Europe's been paving roads for a couple thousand years. Right. Um, I, I, and I really don't need to see the off-road part of the uh, world on this soft way around global loop. Uh, but I, I would like to go back. I've got a great number of friends that I've met over the years in some of these countries, and I'd like to see them. Uh, I called up one of my very good friends. He used to work my pit crew when I raced motorcycles in Daytona, and uh, he's German. Uh, I expected to see him next month. I was slated to make a presentation in Munich uh, at the oldest BMW dealer, motorcycle dealer in Germany on May 16th, and I was going to 
stop in and see my my old pit crew uh number one push motorcycle guy and uh he's got rapidly advancing parkinson's um, and uh be, be you know coupled with uh being locked into his apartment with his wife uh, frankly uh, you know we had a a conversation and i hope to have a couple more but i don't think i'm going to get back to see him before the parkinson's beats me um Anyway, I've got other friends across uh, around the world that I've met, acquaintances, uh, over 40 years of this, well, 50 years. 50 years ago, next month, I flew into Munich and, and picked up a brand new BMW motorcycle and ran as far as I could on the passport that I had in Europe for about six weeks. So my my uh, list of contacts goes back 50 years and I'd like to see some of those people again before I go to the other side. Well, that is certainly one of the uh, the biggest reasons to get out and explore and to adventure is to is to make friends along the way. Um, you know, I'm curious. You talk about doing this sort of soft way around trip with no intention of spending too much time on the dirt. Would you still go for an adventure motorcycle, or will you be riding in an adventure motorcycle in quotation marks, of course, or will you be riding something different? I'm going to point you to my new book, and uh, there's a chapter there, uh, which it's titled, well, What is the Ultimate Adventure Motorcycle? And then there's another chapter there, four pages of uh, What is the Best Round-the-World Adventure Motorcycle? Uh, I, well, I, conf- I confess, Greg, I actually read both of those essays, so I was kind of setting you up for that, but I, I wanted to share maybe some insight with our listeners uh, to maybe tease the book a little bit. Um, I'll say say I'm not looking at dirt. I'm not looking at some twenty, $30,000 badged or marketed adventure motorcycle. Um, I have a, I I still have adventures on old junk that I kind of like to ride. Uh, like my 47 Indian chief, it's, it's always an adventure just to get it across town. Um, <laughs> I, uh, one of the motorcycles that I use in uh, a- Asia is a 30 year old um, Kawasaki two stroke, which I've managed to blow up twice while I'm wandering around in Southeast Asia. Uh, that again is another adventure uh, always because they never imported that motorcycle to Southeast Asia. So um, I've ended up having to have a uh, like a Yamaha piston uh, hand filed to, and fitted to my Kawasaki uh, two-stroke engine. Wow. Um, I think it's got a uh, it's got a Yamaha uh, regulator on it and a hand rebuilt uh, uh, Magneto. Um, but uh, as to the the ultimate or personal choice of an adventure motorcycle. And I, I, a friend of mine once told me that uh, adventure motorcycling is like sex. It, it all takes place between your ears. And I've had a, a lot of great adventures on motorcycles that somebody would look at and say, that's not an adventure motorcycle. For instance, uh, probably one of the best adventures I've had in the last five years was on a 50-year-old 50cc Vespa. Uh, that I, uh, I I did a nice two or three jungle uh, ride over some old elephant trails in Thailand. Um, great fun. Uh, there's guys out there now circling the world on Vespas. Um, 
And then there's the, you know, the guys that are into the thirty, forty thousand dollar range for their uh, ultimate adventure bikes with all the the bling and farkle. Um, I, well, I think I think in the book you mentioned that at some point that uh, the two best things to pack on an expedition are an addiction to adventure and a sense of humor, and uh, that says a lot because there's no mention of what motorcycle or what gear to bring, right? No, and I would add to that list now. Uh, a good wad of cash and a couple, <laughs> couple of credit cards. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm in total agreement with you. I think last time we had you on, it was for a, uh, you know, one of the previous books you r- had written about uh, Carl Stearns Clancy, who, of course, circumnavigated the globe in 1912, 1913, if I'm remembering correctly. Correct. And, and uh, if just to say anything about the technology comparison between then and now, uh, say, forget the motorcycle, just thinking about trip planning and the internet, uh, how much of an advantage that is. I mean, you can, if you have that, uh, if you have the right attitude, I think you can, I think you can do it, right? It, it's attitude and a little bit of, a, I think, personal risk aversion uh, or you know, what I call the DNA factor in my book uh, for the adventure rider. What's your, you know, what's your personal DNA adventure um, gene look like. I've traveled with guys that wanted to be adventure riders, but that they didn't have the ride stuff. Um, they were, they were vacation riders. Um, you can call it an adventure ride. And it was because they were pushing their personal, uh, risk or risk aversion elements. But, um, from where I sat watching them, uh, adventure. They were just tourists on a vacation. Well, that's actually one of the, uh, one of the essays that I read that stood out, I think was, um, called adventure riding bunny. And, uh, of course we all encourage everybody to pick up the book, uh, Frazier shrugged and check that out. But part of that in reading that and knowing a little bit about your background, of course, you are a, a doctor of uh, economics and a big part of that is risk management. What, uh, does, you know, having that training, that perspective, do you think that gives you sort of a different analysis of risk as you're riding? Because that's a big part of economics, right? As kind of understanding risk and versus reward. And as you're traveling and through your, you know, your five decades now of doing that, do you think that that gives you a different perspective than many other quote unquote adventure riders? I'm not sure the um, economic. That just gave me uh, some uh, a reality check on on what it's going to cost me, or <laughs> how much it's cost. Numbers, uh, the um, uh, the bunny was referencing in that chapter. He was risk adverse and paranoid. Uh, yeah. Risk adverse and paranoid. And paranoid. Yeah. Uh, he was just, he, he'd watched a DVD about a couple of guys, multi-million dollar promotional uh, TV show. And uh, he was um, enthralled and thought he out of out of his, uh, I call you know, hey, Toto, we're not in Kansas anymore. Um, and we got outside of North America, the guy was lost. I could literally smell his fear every day when we started. Um, and some days, 
to handle. Tells, and I'd say in the morning, how far do you I found a uh, a good Hilton hotel that's got security and a swimming pool and it's gated 25 miles from here. So we we do that uh, by noon and we couldn't even get in the next. So you know we'd sit on the at the front of the hotel, very secure. Uh, but that was. He he said later that his adventure didn't meet up to his expectations and expected us to be sitting around uh, the campfire um, singing Kumbaya. Uh, <laughs> the, um, he, he shouldn't have been on uh, that one of the package deals where they you know take care of everything and Kumbaya is the, like the, the motto of the adventure. Hey guys, um, we're going to take a little break here and uh, we got some technical stuff we got to deal with and then we'll come back with part two of the interview. Support for the Soundwriters Show is provided in part by Moon Motorcycles, a family run operation located in North Bend, Washington. Moon Motorcycles features a diverse selection of used bikes to choose from, whether you're shopping for a used cruiser, sport tour, dual sport, adventure, dirt, sport bike, or street standard, you owe it to yourself to visit Moon Motorcycles and look over their large inventory. Have you got a used bike you want to consign? Get in touch with Moon Motorcycles today. Hi, my name is Rich. I live in Kingston, Washington. I own several motorcycles, uh, BMWs, Ducatis, Harley-Davidson's, and one of my favorite rides is riding the Olympic Peninsula. This is Rob from MotoFit Group, and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show. We are back on the Soundwriter Show. I'm Tom Aaron, the publisher. I'm here with Derek Roberts, the editor-at-large. And we have another editor-at-large still with us on the line, Dr. Gregory Frazier, calling in from Colorado about his new book called Frazier Shrugs. Take it away, Derek. So let's dive. Let's start with the book here. When we get into the book talk, let's start with the title, uh, Greg, because for many people – you know, they hear, okay, Fraser Shrugged, and they go, well, that kind of sounds vaguely familiar to something. But to me, that reminds me of Atlas Shrugged. And, uh, of course, being a doctor of economics, there is a, maybe a little bit of a through line there. But I'm curious, what, in, what inspired the title? Frankly, I think Tom came up with the, the Fraser Shrugged part and Atlas Shrugged. And we, we played with some concepts. Uh, the... Um, the John Galt uh, expertise through the TV series also came into play. Um, they were um, – I'll, I'll put the monkey on Tom's back. <laughs> my, you know, my, my first uh, – I, I didn't even want my, my, my name in that title. I, I wanted it to um, 
to be something like adventure motorcycle and downplay my part because uh, I kind of like to be in the background. Uh, And between uh, Tom and uh, the uh, cover designer, it morphed um, to uh, Fraser Shrugged. And I had to actually go back and take a look at where did Atlas Shrug come from? Because, uh, you know, the the book itself and the, the era um, and then the, the, the art of uh, the guy holding up the earth. Sure. Uh, you know, all of those factors came into play. And I just rolled with it. I figured uh, Tom and um, Paul were much smarter than I was about titles and, and marketing. So that's, that's where it came from. Well, it, at the end of the day, uh, I think it's a very clever title. And, of course, it is a, a book. I guess it's a collection of 100, right? Is it 100 on the dot of uh, your writings throughout the years? Actually, we filtered uh, about, you know, let's say, 750 to 1,000 um, columns that I'd done over the last 35 or 40 years. And we threw away the junk uh, and we polished up some of the good ones. Um, we um, went back to the original submissions that other editors had uh, changed so much I couldn't even claim on them to be mine and, and came up with about 85 uh, or 90 that were fun, entertaining, and had some um, knowledge that could be uh, gleaned, for, whether it was by a historian or a newbie adventure rider or even uh, the advanced adventure rider. Um, so that that's um, the number. Uh, it wasn't based on uh, number of words. It just fell into that. Well, I think when we were done, it's 123,000 words, and there's there's no pretty pictures inside. This is a this is a book for somebody who reads and uh, just doesn't look. It's not a cookbook. It's not a here, here's a pretty picture of uh, Nome, Alaska. Uh, it's uh, it's words, and I wanted to get it done because that that changes. It's changing rapidly. We're we're getting into a world of where we're looking at like sixteen words, and that's where attention span stops. One hundred uh, characters, right? <laughs> and in this book, you got one character. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Well, I, I agree with that. You know, uh, I've been, uh, like I said, devouring the book uh, quickly since I got it just a few days ago here. And uh, I've run into quite a few uh, that I, essays that I really enjoyed. And you're right, there's a lot of wisdom. And I, one of the early ones in the book, what I think is uh, on around page 45 or 46, is called uh, No Way Adventures, where you talk about a few of your experiences where people kind of, you know, you face some challenging roads or conditions weather-wise, and uh, because you're on a motorcycle, you maybe receive some some bad advice. Uh, what, uh, you, know, you know, when you're out there, and maybe you should expand on that a little bit. What, can you tell us a story or two, if you remember from that essay about, you know, where you faced some, some unpredictable road conditions where you ended up trying to make it, but maybe thought better of it once you were halfway through? <laughs> I'm reminded of, of my experience in Brazil where I came upon about uh, 20 semi trucks that were stuck at the bottom of a very slick, nasty red dirt hill uh, that they couldn't get up. It had rained in the jungle. And you know, I, 
I came up behind them and I didn't speak much Portuguese, which is what they use in Brazil. But, you know, truckers are kind of motorheads to start with. And they kept saying, oh, oh, well, you can make it because you're on a motorcycle. <laughs> uh, and I let my ego uh, get away from me to, to believe that looking at this like 200 yard slippery, nasty, rutted, slime, red uh, hill and actually thought I could do it. Uh, I, got, I got about halfway up before the um, uh, motorcycle uh, ran out of power, stalled. Uh, the mud was clogged up against the fenders, and I stopped there, and, and then uh, I started to slide backwards. Um, Never it, good. With the, Yeah, you know, both brakes are locked up, both feet are down, and, and this fully loaded BMW and I are starting to slide back down the hill picking up speed. And I can remember as I went off of the, the road into the jungle and it was about a 20 foot drop. Um, I think I screamed like a, a <laughs> howler monkey would if it was being chased by a lion. Uh, that was a, a, a poor choice where I let my ego, uh, cause those guys kept saying, Oh, well you could do it. You're on a motorcycle. Of course, Yeah. As I've aged, I've learned uh, that doesn't mean I can do it. You know, uh, I, I confuse that with the other story where you were in the same place, but you were on a on a Vespa with a worn winch on the back, and then you rode to the top of the hill and you winched each one of the semis up one by one. <laughs> well, that's how legends grow. But <laughs> Well, now we know where the title Fraser Shrugged came from. It was on that uh, Vespa. You went to the top of the hill and you just shrugged, right? Yeah, I, I've been in several situations where I looked at where other guys had gone and I just shrug and say, no, nope, I'm going to take a detour around. But that was part of the learning curve over a 40, 50-year period of poking around on big heavyweight Oh, you know, beasts like my, I, I had a, a Harley 45 cubic inch piece of junk uh, <laughs> that was made in uh, the forties that uh, I didn't really know couldn't do stuff. Uh, and then I had a, a, a an Indian motorcycle um, that uh, taught me it could do stuff better than that Harley could. Uh, but both, both of them uh, were, uh, uh, tools that I learned to put in my toolbox and, and say, okay, that that's not going to happen. We're going to find another way around or uh, um, like the guy in Montana a couple of summers ago that pulled up behind me on a truck and uh, there was a deep water hole and muddy and uh, I was lacing up the back wheel and the front wheel with some uh, Tape, uh, cable ties. Sure. And he laughed at me and he said, what are, you, what are you doing with those little girl cable ties? I said, well, I'm kind of making chains for this. He said, oh, you city boy here, let me let me give some real cable ties. And he got in his toolbox and brought out these monster cable ties that uh, he said he uses for uh, hobbling horses and, and cows. And uh, what but he, he initially said he would take his truck through and, and he could pull me through uh, with a chain. Oh, boy. Uh, and I, I could see that was going to be me underneath the motorcycle. Um, in about getting dragged. Three, yes, getting dragged yeah. in three feet of water. Uh, so we, we said no to that. I did anyway. My ego did. And uh, I entertained him flopping through with those big cable ties. 
Um, but the, that was a, a way around it. I'd learned the, ca the ca cable tie game uh, riding in snow uh, here in Colorado uh, back in the in the 70s. Uh, you know, it was clothesline back then through the uh, through the spokes. But uh, I now carry some of those monster cable ties um, in my spare parts kit. Um, to, well, and, uh, and now we know why Harbor Freight is an essential service in your area. They go, well, what if it snows or it's muddy and uh, Dr. Greg <laughs> Frazier needs some cable ties, right? And and that's where I find them at, at Harbor <laughs> Freight or uh, a farm and implement store out, uh, out in Montana. I, I can find them there. Well, you know, I'm curious. One of the things that uh, is uh, kind of stands out in reading these essays, um, to me anyway, was Obviously, you, it seems to me that you have a preference for solo adventure riding, though many of your essays do include other folks that have either hired you to come along or have asked to come along. And it always seems like it's through a little bit of a lens of, well, how much entertainment, uh, intentional or otherwise, is this riding partner going to provide for me? Is that one of your criteria when you're selecting people to ride with? Um, yeah, the entertainment part. <laughs> I like to I like to watch the the, uh, um, the other person. Uh, I, I try to let them go in front of me. I I don't want them in be, behind me because they, you know, I've used a couple of pictures of books where I've been hit from behind with my riding partner. Um, so I, I keep them out front. But uh, no, no, I'm I'm a solo guy when you cut right through it. And and I'll tell you. Um, somebody else shared this with me in Africa. Um, I save my money and make my tours. I don't usually have some big sponsor writing checks. Um, and, uh, it's, it's my tour. It's my ride. Uh, it's my money and it's my decisions. When I take on another partner, all of a sudden I lose 50, 50% of that. It now becomes, our ride or our decision. We stop. You want to stop here for lunch or how many miles you want to go today? Um, so I'm, I'm selfish in the sense that I, I save my money and uh, make the trip and I enjoy it being mine. Uh, that doesn't X out. I've got a couple of buddies that I really enjoy the time we spend together with um, each other on the road for five or six days. But after that, my mojo was pretty much used up and I need to get back into the old lone wolf lifestyle that I come from. Yeah. And yeah. I, think, I think that's something that a lot of adventure riders, I, I feel like they, they sympathize with, but you know, I think that sometimes it's challenging. I think even in one of your essays, you mentioned that uh, the idea of a quote unquote good writer and how open to interpretation that is. And I think t oftentimes people head out and they think they're with good writers and then they find out, well, wait a minute, not only skill wise, but personality wise, this just might not be a good fit. Uh, I've done that several times and separated from the good rider, uh, for various, uh, truthful or untruthful reasons, just saying, Hey, I, I think it's better you go on alone or uh, I've got to turn around and take care of some business. Uh, I, I try to be as, as sensitive as I can, but, uh, um, the, the definition of a good rider is 
so vague. Now, when somebody tells me he's a good rider, I, I look skyward and say, okay, yeah, in your mind, he's a good rider, like Malcolm Smith. I, I'll put him in that category. He's a good rider, or Kenny Roberts. Uh, sure. But uh, just because the guy's got a $30,000 motorcycle and he's taken 10 courses on um, a road racetrack, uh, uh, that doesn't mean he's going to be a, a, a good fellow uh that you want in the um uh foxhole with you when you get into a bad situation well i mean i can't uh, agree with you on that and uh as we sort of get into the end of this second segment here i do want to ask you one final question and again the book is uh fraser shrugged and what uh this isn't the final question but how many books have you written now this was number 15 over the last 35 years uh, and, and very likely my last, because to tell you the truth, my energy level is not what it used to be. And the book game isn't what it used to be. Uh, so um, I tell people, buy it now, because uh, what we've got sitting up there at the Soundwriter Warehouse, that's the limited print edition. Uh, they're unique out of that pile. Uh by the way, one of the first ones is, is going out to uh, uh, Elon Musk. Oh, fantastic. Uh, e- Elon is, uh, I stole from him, and I use it in the book. Uh, Elon wants to die on Mars, but he says not from impact. Right. Yes. No, he's famous for that quote. Yeah. yeah well, I, I morphed it. I said, I, I want to die on a motorcycle, but not from impact. <laughs> <laughs> that's in the introduction of the book but anyway. it is yeah i remember that fondly well hopefully uh hopefully you get that uh that wish comes true but in many many years from now of course but the uh the last question i wanted to ask you is because you know we always want to offer so try to be a somewhat educational show around here so what uh, real real simply how what's your advice for people how to get the most out of any motorcycle trip adventure trip uh, exploratory trip. How do you get the most out of it? What's, is there one thing that you sort of constantly remind yourself of? Not to do the stuff that was dumb and stupid on the previous trips. <laughs> Learn from experience, huh? Yeah. Uh, you know, people have been talking about adventure motorcycling uh, as kind of a, a, a late uh, fad or niche. I, I remind people of that uh, movie, uh, Easy Rider, um, and the Captain America motorcycle that Peter Fonda said was evil to ride. But uh, in that uh, movie, um, uh, Steppenwolf says, uh, get out on the highway looking for adventure. Uh, So the game of adventure motorcycling uh, has been around probably from the the time uh, the, the, the first guy tried to go down the road on that that first motorcycle that you see with the wooden wheels, uh, that would have been an, a high risk, which is a factor in the, the definition of adventure. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll, I'll close with this. Uh, Jack Nicholson, uh, uh, as George Hansen said uh, uh, about something else, but I, I stole it and, and use it about this book. I said, um, this is, uh, it, it is a prime rib. It's not your just beef. Um, and uh, I don't think, uh, I don't think it'll be copied. Um, I think it'll be around for a while. And I, I'm quite pleased with uh, 
the presentation format wise layout wise like i said the other night um, i actually went back and read seven chapters uh, putting down my Kindle and, and picking up my own book, which I, I don't do, but I didn't fall asleep after the, the seven chapters. So buy the book, have some fun. You can love me, you can hate me, but uh, in the meantime, I'm out there laughing at myself probably louder than you are as the book buyer. <laughs> well, I think we'll we'll wrap it up on that, Greg, and uh, we'll have you hang on the line so we can say a proper goodbye. But as far as the interview is concerned, uh, thank you very much for joining us again here on uh, the Sound Rider Show. The book, again, is called Fraser Shrugged. You can pick it up at store.soundrider.com. And Born to be Wild, Dr. Greg Fraser. thanks again for being back on the Sound Rider Show. Thanks for coming on. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Support for the Sound Rider Show is provided in part by Seattle Cycle Center. As more and more shops discontinue sales of apparel and aftermarket gear, Seattle Cycle Center continues to provide a wide selection of everything you need for your next ride. Family-owned and operated for more than 30 years, Seattle Cycle Center is your destination for helmets, jackets, pants, boots, gloves, rain gear, and much more. Visit their store on Aurora Avenue soon. Hi, I'm Tim. I live in Burien, and a few of my favorite rides in the state of Washington are uh, probably number one is Washington 20. Uh, it's just a nice scenic trip, like traveling through the Alps, and right behind that would be uh, Lolo Pass uh, on the pavement, or if you're really adventuresome, take the uh, Lolo Motorway uh, or the Magruder Corridor to go east and west. Uh, all great rides. Hi, this is Thomas from Heiden Tires, and you're listening to Soundrider Show. on into the final segment here on the sound rider show I'd like to thank again dr greg frazier for joining us and you know he highlighted a lot of tips and wisdom that can be found in his new book atlas atlas look at me there <laughs> frazier shrugged a little freudian slip there you really admire this guy I tell you what, yeah, but uh, we here at Sound Rider, of course, want to leave you with a few tips and tricks of our own. So, Tom, what do you got this month? Well, you know, uh, as we talked about last month, it's a good time to be getting the bike on a charger and having it ready. But, you know, I like to carry those little handheld chargers. you got some of those, don't you? Yeah, like a sort of little backup battery pack about the size of your cell phone, right? Yeah, and I've actually used one to get myself out of a jam in the middle of uh, going up through the mountains of Oregon one day. There wasn't any other way I was going to get out, and fortunately I had it. But uh, you know what? It's been sitting around all winter, and it may have lost some of its charge. So if you carry one of those batteries with you when you ride, make sure you charge that puppy up too. Well, that's an excellent tip, and you're right. Those do come in handy for a myriad of reasons. One is just if you're going to be doing any camping, it's nice to not have to spend half a morning at a Starbucks to charge up your electronics, or if you're using your phone as a GPS, 
that can be a big draw on those batteries. And also, I'd mentioned to keep in mind, because most of these are lithium-based, uh, temperatures can have an uh, adverse effect on the lifespan of these batteries. So if you haven't used them since last season, you might want to test them out and see how much juice they still have in them. All righty. Now, you got a tip for us as well? I certainly do, but I want to know, does Connie have a tip for us? I have no tips whatsoever. <laughs> no tips whatsoever. Although, <laughs> although I will say, I will say that today was supposed to weather-wise not be terrific. It was supposed to cloud up. and But this morning, there was this beautiful, gorgeous, sunny, brisk morning. I happened to go walking. I didn't go riding. But I guess my tip would be, uh, since we have a little more time on our hands, a lot of us, ride when you can. You know, if you're out there by yourself, you don't have to social distance. You're not going to go for an overnight or anything. Maybe just get out there and do an hour ride and get home. Yay. There we go. Let's see. And you said you didn't have a tip. You shouldn't have prefaced that. We'll have to I cut that out in post. We'll I, just have to. Yeah. Because <laughs> let's, let's get a clean take, Connie, where you just say, I've got a great tip. Yeah. And then we can stitch it together. <laughs> it's the most awesome tip you've ever heard. It is the best tip of the show. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I will see if I can follow that up with a uh, second best tip of the show here. And uh, I'm going to talk about a little project that I've been working on, which I'd like to relate to the listeners as a tip. And that is uh, my index card adventure project. Hmm. And uh, as I'm sitting around at home here, I've decided that uh, I'm going to compile some of my physical resources. Of course, the internet is great, but we're also fans of print resources here, mainly atlases and uh, a couple of the good uh, touring books that uh, Tom has written here for soundwriter.com about touring in the Pacific Northwest. And I have challenged myself to compile 10 index cards each containing a riding adventure that i would like to undertake this summer so assuming things are back to somewhat normal here i want to have some pre-planned routes ready to go and i just want to be able to pull off of this stack you know things that i can get to within a day or a day and a half and i want to tackle these one by one so that i don't waste any time when that time does become available that's a great. Now, tip. will you just pick them at random when it, when the time comes, or are you going to have them in a particular order? So, what I think that I may do is maybe split them up into uh, two classes. So, the ideally they'll be all you know weekend uh, based with the plans to go out and ride them on the weekend. So, I'm going to do single overnight or double overnight, and uh, just kind of draw from each respective stack based on how much time I have. Hmm. I like it. Sounds good. Yeah, Plus, not it bad, gives you right? something to look forward to. You know, that anticipation is so much of a trip. It, it, that's a big part of uh, any adventure, right? The planning mm-hmm. and the anticipation oftentimes is half the fun. Yeah. I like that. All right. Hey, that's our show for the month of May. We are going to be back next month, June, hopefully with some uh, rideability beyond being locked down exactly and uh we're like i say just uh follow along with us on the facebook page and we'll try to keep you informed with what's going on as things occur to new horizons to new horizons and thanks for having me on again this month all right folks ride well ride safe ride when you can as often as you can we'll see you here in june 
The Sound Writer Show was made possible by today's sponsors and the patients of everyone else involved, which is not to say we're doctors. Reproduction of this program in part or in whole is not legal without the express written consent of the podcast owner. But please be sure to share the link with all your Facebook friends. This program is a production of Mixed Media. The content and views of today's guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any major media conglomerate anywhere else in the world, including CBS, NBC, ABC, MotoGP, the BBC, PBS, NPR, the Discovery Network, or the Cartoon Channel. See you next time on the Sound Rider Show.